The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. Do you have a desire to be famous? Do you want hordes of people screaming your name? Then ask your therapist if Hollywood's right for you. Hollywood, where you can work your first year as an unpaid intern, followed by a mandatory minimum 18-hour workday with guaranteed unpaid overtime. Where sexual harassment and assault is so common, you get to sign a waiver promising not to sue even before you start your new job. Warning, side effects may include insomnia, heavy drug use, thousands of dollars in therapy, alcoholism, anorexia nervosa, bulimia and or obesity, dependent upon your job or role, hallucinations, loss of integrity, complete loss of moral compass, bleeding from the fingernails after trying to claw your way to the top, as well as excessive chapping of the lips after kissing everyone's ass. If you have these or any other side effects or begin to question your life choices, please contact your therapist because nobody in Hollywood gives a damn. Hollywood, shut up and take it. G'day, guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we are on with my co-host, host of the Militant Model, Paul Michael always, Bolin. Always just like, yeah, where, where do we go from? Yeah, that, that's so depressing. Okay, It's yeah. so Hello, accurate. People. It's hey. so accurate. I know, but truth in Hollywood, you know, it's just a guy with a ball and a thing on the end of a stick. So, you know, it's, the, you know, it's all magic. No one wants to see behind a curtain. That's true. Mm-hmm. I do want to quick, give a quick shout out uh, to Dr. Phil's people. I know we talked about um, him being accused of um, staging, you know, people being high or drunk right. or this or that. Well, it turns out the people were lying their ass off. Well, Miat, were we uh, who said we at, or were we just talking about it? We were just talking about it. We okay. were neither criticizing right. I, nor. I take, I take a lot of drugs myself. I can never remember most of the time. <laughs> we uh, we weren't. We we didn't take a side. I'd said I hope he didn't, and it turned out well. I guess he didn't. Um, so the people tried to sue Doctor Phil. By the way, if you're getting into the entertainment industry, expect to get sued at least once in your life. Mm. They tried to sue Doctor Phil. Um, saying that he was putting people up to getting drunk and drugged and his producers were. And usually you know how they'll throw the producer under the bus, be like, it wasn't us, I didn't know about it, it's the producer's fault. Mm. He didn't do any of that. They asked for a settlement, their lawyers asked for a settlement. Dr. Phil's people told him to go to hell. Dr. Phil stood behind his producers in a way I've never seen anyone stand behind their producers and said, fuck you guys, we're going to court. I think he's got like a zero tolerance policy. Plus, he's under the umbrella of Oprah, uh, who everybody's just waiting for her to be involved in a scandal. And then I did have some, I do know some people who appeared on Jerry Springer. Yep. As different characters. Now, the trick was is that Jerry wasn't lying about it because he had absolutely no idea what the backstory was of the person that was going to be a guest on a show until he read the card on pretty tape. yeah well, on tape. Doc, that's, no, that's well, how they got that's how they got around it dr phil 
different story. Well, Dr. Phil says, you know, one of the things he got on about and part of his deposition, if you guys look at it, was he said, I'm a health healthcare professional. I was mm. a psychiatrist first. He was? Then, uh, yes, he was. He was a psychiatrist. Uh, he was actually Oprah Winfrey's psychiatrist when she was oh. being sued by the beef companies um, oh, yeah, out yeah. of Texas. And he, she yeah. hired him. And he'd worked with the legal system, but he'd also done private therapy. So he's been a psychiatrist. He's a huh. psychiatrist, a psychologist, and like got two other degrees. So he, Fair enough. he I was said, just going off his appearance, I'm, and I think it was Scary Movie 3. Yeah. Where he's like stuck in a thing with Shaquille O'Neal who has to make a free throw. And he's like, I'm not even a real doctor. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Well, he did let his um, medical license lapse, but that was like two years ago. He let it lapse. He doesn't feel he needs it anymore. But he yeah, kept I, think it up to date. I think his career path has gone in a good way. Yeah. 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 But he kept it up to date. And his big thing when he went to court with everyone and went with, or, or said, we are going to court, basically his response was, Fuck you! You guys want to say this about me? We're going to court. Mm. I stand by my producers. Like he, he, there was no bullshit. There was no anything. He's he's flat said. I stand behind my producers. Yeah, I know a lot of people who throw those producers right under the nearest. Pretty bus. much. Like yeah. I was, I was in shock. Uh, hell, I've nobody been, I've does been that. that. Person thrown under the bus several times. So you know. But that's it. It's it's the yeah. sta standard operating procedure to make it go away. You throw the producers under the bus and you throw some money at them. Mm -hmm. Dr. Phil has had the same producers. Here's another unheard of one, since the show started. Unless someone retires, they don't leave his show. Oh, he, dead man's shoes. Yeah, pretty that's much. A, that's a dead person's shoes position is what we call. It's like nobody's leaving that cozy gig until they flip and die. Pretty much. He, um, You're excused from his show if you have family events. Like his rules are family first. Um, and he that stands by his bastard. producers, man. Like okay. really, he stands by his producers and... So anyway, so these people are saying no, all this shit him. about him, Still and not his. Uh, show, but good for oh him, yeah, you know? I'm, I'm not a huge like. It's I think he's not, an awesome it's guy. Not my thing. All right. But he, uh, so he's gotten sued, and these people are trying to pull this, and they expect the payoff because that's what usually comes. It's just shut up, let's yeah. make it go away. Well, Doctor Phil, you're trying around, to get a, you're trying to get a settlement, you know. Doctor Phil's he's, response again, was "Fuck you." Umbrella of <laughs> Oprah, Pretty lots much. of money. You know? mm, well, he wasn't fucking with it. He was like, "Nope, we're going to court." Good. And um, he's, you know, and he he pushed. He said he's spoken before Congress. He's spoken on behalf um, of clinical psychiatrists. Like I found out all of this stuff. Like he's a very accomplished human being. Before, when he was Doctor McGraw, he was a very very accomplished doctor. Before he became Doctor Phil. Yeah, and so McGraw doesn't exactly like just roll out the tongue as much as Doctor Phil. Pretty much, but he was doc when he as Doctor McGraw. He has papers in print. He has books in print. He has, um, he he works with some of the top psychiatrists in the country. He worked with the federal government. He spoke before Congress. Like I'm reading all of this stuff. So for someone to malign his character, this isn't like going after someone in TV. You're going after an actual doctor who's spoken before the United States Congress. Um, so obviously he takes his reputation a little more seriously than oh. even Oprah's paid people off. And Dr. Phil's just like, nope, this isn't happening. Yeah, but we, we don't talk about the people that Oprah... That no, Oprah's wonderful. We, we, yes. Uh, yes, and all hail the Oprah. Closest, closest thing we have to royalty. It's okay, true. There we go. Her, ma Her Majesty Oprah Winfrey, I actually love Oprah. She's an awesome human. But, yeah. um, 
the you like but even she has so to see someone like dr phil go no we are not doing this i don't care if, how much harder it is i don't care how much it costs i'm not settling yeah very few people can actually say that unfortunately but you know the umbrella of oprah that's well, he's 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 up where she is financially now, mm-hmm. anyway. But now this is the second time this happened. The first time this happened was when they accused him of cheating on Robin. He dragged the papers to court, sued the papers, got a retraction, um, and sued the crap out of them. And then all of the money went to something called the Aspire Initiative, which is run by Robin McGraw for domestic violence. So all the money he got, he won. He gave to charity for domestic violence. After he was accused of um, hitting Robin, mm. and his response was fantastic. He's like, "I wouldn't hit that woman; she'd shoot me." Yeah, 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 makes sense. Mm. Um, but he got you know the papers made some crack about it. So what you guys will see now is a slow disappearance of Doctor Phil drama, meaning the papers always thrive off bullshit. Mm. But Dr. Phil, every time it's coming up, he's suing them and winning. Not settling, suing them and winning. So that that's really bizarre. That's a new one for Hollywood, I think. Oh, I think we imported a doctor with integrity. Someone fucked up somewhere, Paul. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. You know, something happens. But it's, you know, and in being on afternoon TV where I'll admit... I am a sucker for those Maury Povich, you are or aren't the father freaking videos, you know. So, what are you going to do? But, yeah, good for Phil. Good for him. And, uh, yeah, frivolous lawsuits. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, I do want to remind everyone, every time Paul and I use bad language, we give money to Free MMA. Free MMA is a non-profit martial arts group. So everyone can learn martial arts. We give money to the Boys and Girls Club of America. If you don't know what that is, you should check it out, especially if you have kids. And, of course, the Humane Society of America because we love animals. Essentially, we give money to children and animals because we swear a lot and something good has to come of it. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure Alexis is shooting daggers at you, right? She is. Alexis Alexis is sitting there. She's the one that has to count the swearing. Oh, don't worry. I am. <laughs> she counts it. It's still again. Hats off to Sean Patrick Flannerty. Seventy. What was it? Seventy-two f words. I don't know. I stopped counting after sixty-four. Uh, yeah. Amazing. It, it is for a good cause, Alexis. So yeah, there we go. I completely agree. <laughs> that's that's. She's saying fuck you, Paul. That's, that's I know. Her. I know. That's a fuck you. See, so, if she would have um, done that, she would have actually been able to give more money to charity. But no, see, Alexis, no. bad yeah, okay. Lulu. Okay, there you go. Um, so we have that going on. We've got, uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about the fact that they're remaking Chucky. They're doing a bunch of these remakes, but not doing original content. They're even talking about doing a reboot of the Saw series, um, which is ridiculous. Mm. I don't. <laughs> I don't understand. And then, of course, nobody wants to go to the Oscars this year. (laughs) Too bad. (laughs) Right? So, guys, when we come back, we're going to be talking about why the world's hating on the Oscars, what the backlash is, why the world's gotten too PC because they're fucking stupid, Mm -hmm. um, and just a little bit about everything in Hollywood. When we get back, we are going to be on with a very, very special guest today. 
we'll be on with Rachel Alexander. Oh, okay. She's she, been, she, she coming back at this break or the next break? No, she'll be on after the next break. We'll have okay. Rachel Alexander. I do want to give a quick shout out to Adrian Alcantara Hair Studios. Thank you for making me red carpet ready, especially in the um, award season. Even though nobody wants to go to the Oscars, I keep pointing this out. I can't believe it. Aspen Mills Bread Company. I would go. The, I would go. I would go. You want to okay. go? We'll, yeah. we'll do, we'll go. do one. Paul will be my, okay. Lex? <laughs> Set up one of the awards. Oh, let's do the African Oscars. Paul can be my date. All right. Okay. Paul's my date. Um, Aspen Mills Bread Company, thank you for all you do for charity. We always love supporting companies that support charities. Scott Haskin, thank you for the beautiful music. Flat Black Art Supplies, they give paint and artists to one of the companies we support, Free MMA. Aloft, uh, Seattle SeaTac Airport Hotel. Aloft Phoenix, you guys are always good to us. Thank you. Off-Road Rentals. Remember, guys, Off-Road Rentals is the one that gives you the free ATV rides and the giveaways. Uh, Griggs Vacuums. Vinyl Styles, Prints and Designs. And the New Palm Springs Diet. I know you guys miss Dr. Russ because um, I still get questions and pictures. Please stop sending me pictures of your genitalia asking if this is normal. The New Palm Springs Diet is a great way to lose weight. Our giveaways are for True Rest float spots in Sedona and Las Vegas. So if you want to try floating, answer this question. Or, and an ATV ride at Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs, California. For your float, tell me why you think they're having trouble finding an Oscars host and no one wants to do it. And, Paul, your question. You give away the ATV ride. Uh, let's see. Who was supposed to host the Oscars this year? There you go. Mm-hmm. And a monogram antler painting from Pino's Palace in Palm Springs. So, guys, when we come back, we will be on chatting about all kinds of crap and probably talking some shit about the Oscars. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric E.Z. Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we are on with my favorite pe- person and yours, according to all of your emails and tweets, mm. Paul Michael Bolin, host of The Militant Moderate. Yeah, and yeah. we're talking about everything wrong with Hollywood and why the Oscars are going to hell. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, did anything, did, did anybody actually see ex- how many Oscars were nominated for people of movies that actually were seen? Uh, Black Panther. With the exception of Black Panther, uh, which I don't know is... I just thought the movie was okay. Does that mean I'm racist? No, it just means you weren't a huge fan. I think it is one of the best I mean, it was good. It was Marvel four, movies to three come good, out. You know? But that's it. It's. I think it's one of the best Marvel movies to come out. It's the best of the superheroes. I would really? say that and Wonder Woman would be the two best for me in the last okay, five years. Okay, even just remember Wonder Woman isn't a Marvel. That's DC. I know. But I'm saying those two of the superhero movies would mm-hmm. be the best two to come out for me in the last five or six years, and we've inundated. I mean, freaking Aquaman, as much as they pumped it, was crap. Yeah, the still- special effects were great, but like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I want to kick the director's ass because it was such a waste of talent. Well, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really comment on it. And Aquaman was always, you know, yes, I was the weird kid who liked Aquaman when I was a I kid. I liked Aquaman. You know, mostly because I just wanted to breathe underwater. Uh, but there, is, yeah, and I think, well, I mean, wasn't, yeah, I think Black Panther came out like the same year as Thor 3 and like Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I like both of those movies better. I'm not saying I see, Black I Panther like, was bad. I'm I didn't like Ant-Man. I didn't yeah. like Ant-Man and the Wasp. I loved really? Ant-Man. Was not a huge fan of Ant-Man and the Wasp. I thought it was... Uh, and I love Paul Rudd. I really do. Yeah. You, um, you got issues with the chick from Lost? No, I don't, it's not yeah. even that. It's got nothing to do with the additional actors. I love Paul Rudd. I just think like they threw in Michelle Pfeiffer. They had too many storylines going. They've got this guy chasing them for money. The ghost woman chasing them. They didn't use enough of Lawrence Fishburne. It could have been done better. I thought they overdid the storyline. Yeah, well, it's good to see Michelle Pfeiffer working again. You know, as, as both me and the a previous guest have mentioned, she's wonderful. She is wonderful. She's uh, she, and she's a cool human to be around. Yeah, yeah, she's a cool human. Mm-hmm. The um, so I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer is a cool lady. I'm glad she's working. I just I I I would have liked to have seen her utilized better, and I don't think she was. Um, it ended really cool. It ran parallel with uh. Whatchamacallit, with um, the Avengers, Avengers mm. the Avengers where everyone evaporates. You know, it, it's it, it, but even the Avengers, the 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 second Avengers movie, uh-huh. I found that overinflated. Well, the, Thor Ragnarok was good. Yeah, that was but, that was my my favorite of the of the of the MCU this this last year. I can see that Thor Ragnarok was excellent, um, but I thought Black Panther was excellent. I just, I didn't find, 
I see why Black Panther did so well. I really mm. do. Um, but, you know... And, and somehow people, I feel I just got disinvited from the Black Oscars. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I see why I see why um, Black Panther did well, and people are going to hate me for saying this, but have have you seen the uh, Luke Cage show? Yeah, I like I like it. Uh, the second season was kind of meh. First season was was really really meh. good. Um, yeah. Marvel's starting to pick up, I think, on the television on on television shows. Um, like the Luke, Luke Cage series was good, but then there was that, uh, what is it? The, the Marvel there was, okay, superheroes there. one where the guy comes from the future and he's a time Lord. It was like Dr. Who meets the Avengers. It was really not good. Doctor, um, which one are you talking about? I have no idea. Unless that, that might be that, uh, uh, Le legends of tomorrow. I think so. Because I think that's that's DC. That yeah, well, it was shit. Whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, they finally they they seem to be uh, doing well. DC seems to be doing well with their uh, television programs as long as they're on the CW. Uh, they're, they're doing well with teeny bopper programs. Right. Yeah. And we had the oh god, what's the thing? You know, the first season of The Punisher was good. The first two seasons of Daredevil was good. No, first I didn't see The Punisher. Dinner. How first was season it? Of Jessica Jones was really good. Uh, the first Punisher, that was good. This last one was rather pedestrian, and there's only been two, you know. So, okay. And I think Iron Fist was actually better season two than it was season one, but apparently everything's kind of like getting canned. That's yeah. It, it seems to be that things aren't picking up. Supergirl, same issue. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and there are a bunch of complaints about the Ted Bundy film. So some of his, uh, the, the families of his victims were all for the Ted Bundy film, right. starring Zac Efron, who just had surgery, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but it, some it, of the families are really against it. Is it for the same reason that I didn't like, there was this movie called The Iceman with Michael Shannon? Didn't see it. What's it about? Well, it was about a serial... Uh, this was a mob hitman, as opposed to a serial killer. Is it because they humanized them too much? Uh, they... they, Yes and no. They showed the charm. They uh, really showed the charm and tried to show how people were drawn into Ted Bundy. Well, that's part of the story. You know, in the that, case of the Iceman, the they actually added Bundy. a little humanity to it, which is what I couldn't stand. Yeah, they're not adding humanity. They're using the Ted Bundy charm uh -huh. and his vacancy of emotion. Um, I think for some people, it's still raw, though. Because, I mean, you've lost a family member. You know, my mum uh, my mom lost sorry, someone. It's been thing. At least it looks like that. That uh, At least it gives kind of a reason why. You know, it wasn't so much a... It, there, there wasn't... Like, they, there, there are elements of the Gus Van Zandt remake of Psycho that I like. Yeah. Like versus the old Alfred Hitchcock classic, and that's mostly because of the performance of Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn's phenomenal. And so, Anthony Perkins, if I'm, like, you know, imagine me as Janet Lee uh, having that conversation with Anthony Perkins in the first Psycho, I don't think I would have taken my foot off the brake for 50 miles. But if I'm Anne Heche having that same conversation with Vince Vaughn, I might stick around. But that, and and that's exactly it. I think something, um, you know, like it's like I said, for some people it's raw and it's always going to be raw. My mum lost a friend to the Hillside Strangler, mm -hmm. 
so she still won't watch shows about it. It's still it still scares the shit out of her. Yeah, there's gonna be that. Especially yeah. if you've. Yeah, if it's if it's something that's a little too raw to you. I mean, even if it's a movie that's about a disease that you lost somebody to, you know, it's just one of those things. We can't really just. It, now, I haven't seen the movie, movie, so I don't know if it's entertainment or not. I remember seeing, like, there was a Ted Bunny miniseries yeah, that a was, long time ago where they yeah. they did give him a little charm. I mean, it was a TV movie. I think it was maybe Tim Daly played him or something, if I'm not mistaken. Think of one of the dudes from Wings. You know, but that, that, that's was, that was Ted Bundy. If you talk to the victims that survived him, mm-hmm. they went with him because he was charming and seemed normal and so nice. Right. And then he snapped on you and did all... Yeah, I know. Yeah. He wasn't the guy who skinned people and wore their face as a mask, right? That was another No, guy. that okay. was a different guy. Fair enough. Yeah. So I, I think that really bothered people, and I don't, I don't blame them. Um, I'm... I don't I, understand the fascination with serial killers. I don't get it. I've never really been fascinated with serial killers at all. I think it's the dark side of humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm working on a horror film right now, mm-hmm. so I've had to look at some of you know these these people and just just look into the horror stuff, and it gives me nightmares. Even working on real horror films, mm. um, give, gives me nightmares. I hate it. I do. Like I, I like my my horror when I watch horror movies. I like it when it's kind of like, yeah, this couldn't happen, you know. Like yeah. it, the scariest thing I ever seen. Well, I talked about the Iceman movie with Michael Shannon, but there was a a series of interviews with the real Iceman, the guy who killed people for the mob for a living. I did see the docu on him. He was holy he was cold. shit. That was the scariest thing I've ever seen. You know. Now you don't want to humanize him. That that he didn't they do it on Tom. They kind of did it in the in the uh, in the Iceman movie. You know? Not cool. No, it Not wasn't cool. cool. You know, like he didn't sell himself on charm. I get it with ten but with ten buddy. The whole point was he did it on charm. The yeah. thing is, people like serial killers for the same reason they like horror films. For the same reason you and I stay employed, Paul. Mm. Everyone wants to escape from their life, and All they right. like the surreal. Because yeah, to them, it doesn't seem real. Such a weird way. Why? Nah, it's just some faceless like sociopath with a machete. I'll take that any day of the week. So you know. Yeah, let's. I mean, that that's the point. Like, what's what's wrong with Jason, guys? Let's go back to Jason and Freddie. <laughs> Jason and Freddie, except for that. One, two, Freddie's coming for you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome, Alexis. I know you love that song, and it gives you nightmares. I so um, fucking hate that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it does, but it plays. Find like your phone, make it a ringtone, and text her in the middle of the night. <gasps> that is the best idea. I'm doing oh, that. I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> she already comes into my room doing that. Okay, Alexis, <laughs> change literally your woken change, me up change passcode. Change your passcode. Okay. I love that. So, if Alexis has quit by next week, you guys know why. Uh, we are going to go to break. I, I, <laughs> on it. We'll take care, Rob. All right. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, host of the Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Bolin. My assistant, Alexis, and I don't know if anyone can hear you. Do you have your microphone on, Erod, or can, can they not hear you? Yeah, they hear me right now. I, they I hear? don't okay. have a microphone on. Oh, okay, yeah, he does. As long as he does, everyone could be heard. So this is what goes on behind what you guys don't hear every week is us yapping behind the scenes. So now now you've joined in. I'm Summer Helene. We're on with my co-host, host of the Militant Moderate, Paul Michael Boland. We'll be right back with Rachel Alexander talking about her upcoming show, 
talking about her books, talking about her right after this. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. And we are on with my co-host, host of The Militant Moderate, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And I know one of yours because you guys tell me that constantly, Paul Michael Bolin. And we are on with a very, very special guest. I know you guys have complained before that uh, you haven't gotten to answer your questions. So we're really going to focus on questions this week. Rachel Alexander, she's been in California all of her life. She finished her first novel at 16. She co-wrote a play that won awards from Bill Moyers at PBS and the University of Southern California. She got a Bachelor of Arts degree in English Literature and literary, liter- Literacy Criticism with an emphasis on creative writing. When not writing, she can be found sewing corsets and overstockings uh, and overstocking her spice cabinet and petting chickens. I like that. That was actually the coolest bio I've heard because nobody has ever included petting chickens. I'd like to welcome to the show the wonderful Rachel Alexander. G'day. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be here. So I know we never get to the questions, but I'm gonna. So we're gonna jump into that pretty quickly. But first, okay, sounds um, good. We're going to talk about we we got a this just came up about Bezos, so we have to bring this up. Paul, what happened? 
Hmm? Oh, uh, yeah, I just looked at a picture of the cover of the New York Post where it was, uh, the title is Bezos, Bezos Exposes Pecker. We're just going to let that one hang there for two seconds so there. So, did, did he flash his penis? Or uh, he... Apparently, somebody somebody hacked Bezos' phone, and some dick pics wound up over at the Inquirer. There's, it which seems is owned by Pecker. The, which is, happens to be owned by a guy whose last name is Pecker. Yeah. Okay. So, that just... So, Amazon yeah, and the Inquirer has with, um, Isn't he friends with yeah. Trump? Yes. Pecker? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Bezos like, and is kind of uh, sitting Trump's eye several times. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's the whole thing is just really bizarre. I'm I'm really interested by this. Uh, so that was really interesting. If anyone can write in, tell us what the hell's going on. Somebody tell us. Now, Rachel, I have to ask. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How you got into writing. Catch okay. Us up. Um, I have been interested in books and literature and language for a very, very, very long time, ever since I was a little girl. Um, I started writing, I started doing creative writing when I was in high school, and um, I wrote my first novel, and I wrote, um, I co-wrote a play with a couple of other uh, friends of mine, and it won awards from uh, Bill Moyers of PBS and from USC at the time, and we got to see it uh, performed live by students of USC. And um, then I decided to uh, major in English and uh, creative writing emphasis, literary criticism. And um, in that course of time, I kind of had basically my my writing kind of pulled apart and put back together. And I, I looked at myself and I was like, well, gee, I can't write the great American novel. Maybe this isn't what I should be doing. And um, flash forward about 10 years later, my life had completely fallen apart and my foray into the corporate world was not what I had wanted or expected it to be. And I kind of looked around and was like, you know what? Um, I wanted to be a writer. Why don't I go back and do that? And so I thought, okay, well, here's the thing. If my writing is shit, people will tell me because what I'll do is I'll post it anonymously online and uh, no one's going to feel obligated to be nice to me. And the minute I started posting stuff, I, I was getting comments from people going, oh, you're actually a, a, you know, a published author who's moonlighting. Oh, you, and if you're not, you should be published. And, oh, your work reminds me of so-and-so and such-and-such. And, oh, my gosh, this is great. When are you going to publish? When are you going to do this and that? And so I wrote a couple of short stories, and then I started writing um, what would become... Um, Receiver of Many and Destroyer of Light sometime in 2012 and published it. And I was publishing segments of it online. What I was doing is uh, publishing every single week, like clockwork on Wednesdays at midnight. So when people were looking for a new episode of what I was publishing, they'd tune in. They'd get to read about 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 words. And... um, then they'd have to suffer through a really ugly cliffhanger to get to the next bit. And um, then I had people saying, oh, you should get on social media. We want to talk to you. We want to interact with you. And I was kind of floored that I had so many people out there that this had touched, that that really loved this and enjoyed my work. And then they um, were the ones who uh, encouraged me to publish. 
And so I set up a Kickstarter um, in 2014. It got funded within 72 hours and then some. Um, it actually was funded 150% over the goal uh, by now, the end of the 30 days. Yeah. Now I have and, to um, oh, sorry. What's that? And now I was going to say, now I have to tell you guys, um, I'm working with Rachel on turning her book into a television series and we've been going back and forth and chatting with HBO and it's been great but the way I came across it was I was accosted at Comic-Con and someone had printed off excerpts of her book and was handing them out and chased me down with an excerpt saying make this into a TV show. So her writing was popular <laughs> enough that someone found me at Comic-Con because I go there and I talk about um, how to make TV shows and how to make movies. And, and I did. I had someone chase me down at Comic-Con to go make her book into a TV show or a film. So she's got really, really devoted fans. It's really incredible. It's, it's pretty great. I have... Um I have a deal set up with the uh, local bookstore in my hometown. And what I do is I'll go in there and I'll sign a few copies every so often for her. And um, I put it out to my fans saying, well, you know, I don't have any way to go on a book tour right now. I'm, you know, the mother of a two-year-old. And um, if you want signed copies of my books, you can get them from Coastside Books in Half Moon Bay. And the link to that is on my website. And I had somebody who... Um, contacted the bookstore from Copenhagen and asked for mm -hmm. books to be shipped out to them. And this is a, a disturbingly large amount of shipping money for international shipping for two books. Yep. She paid it without even thinking about it just to get signed copies of my books. Now, you have a really fantastic. devoted fan base. Because once we started talking about doing this, I've had people who like your books uh, threaten mm -hmm. me that if I ruin them, well, I'm not going to repeat those threats online. But but it's it's you know I'm like I'm not the director. I just I just I just right. I just put the money up and do the distribution. <laughs> I've nothing to do with that. Um, but I'll make sure we get someone good. But you do you have a very very devoted fan base. Now, for yeah. people that want to get into writing, um, what what advice would you give them? Um, my first piece of advice would be to read this essay by uh, Anne Lamott. It's called Shitty First Draft. And read that and take it to heart because, you know, the people, no, I'm serious, the people who write, no, 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 like, that, perfectionism that is their, like, we, we is need their to put a link worst to enemy. <laughs> we'll put a link to it. Perfectionism is their absolute yeah. worst enemy. What was that? We need to. Put, said, it's perfect. We want. We need to put a link to that. Yeah. Then the show notes. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was. It, it I was, was like overcomplimenting anyone on that one. Sorry. Oh, but good. Yeah, no worries. That, yeah. It, it was basically that, the thing that. that, that so um, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't able to hear on on the line. I w it was basically mm -hmm. the thing that basically that vaulted me into going. You know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to write a shitty first draft, and if people don't like it, then they won't like it. And I have all the time in the world to fine tune it, and it just really got me out of. Um, my continuing battles with uh, perfectionism and imposter syndrome. So it's not written; it's rewritten. You know. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. We'll put up a link to that. Yeah. Excellent. 
Yeah, that's the first thing I would do. The second is, you know, don't expect your first book to be any good at all. It's something that takes practice. You need to, you know, devote about seven or 8,000 hours, you know, which is a good, good chunk of time, about six or seven years to really, really defining who you are and what your style is. And, but it's, it's completely worth it and completely within reach for anyone who wants to attempt it. Yep. Your first attempts, like as with anything, you didn't, you know, your first attempts at riding a bike didn't go so well, right? No, yeah. not at all. So, there no, you I, have, I have a scar on my right knee to prove that one. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. I, um... I've got three, I've got three <laughs> shitty scripts sitting on my shelf that no one will ever see because they're shitty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have, um, it's kind of funny. I, I was actually having issues with a story that was in this exact same universe. Um, it was thrice plowed field. And I may, I, I had to put that on the back shelf back burner for a while because um, I was just looking at it and kept reading through it, and I'm like, the end is not coming together on this. And maybe at some point in the future, I'll be able to pick this up again, and the end will come together. But as for now, I just need to look at this as a great writing exercise, and I learned a lot, and maybe it'll be given life later, but for now, it's just kind of going to have to sit. One of the questions we got in on Twitter, sorry, I'm sitting here going through Twitter, is what made you decide on that universe? What made you decide on the Greek mythology? They're calling it the Percy Jackson universe. This isn't the Percy. This is very, very different. A lot more grown up. And if Percy Jackson is your age range um, to the person writing it on Twitter, do not read this book. (laughs) It's a little bit grown up for you. No, my books are uh, very solidly into the 18 plus. It is it is erotica, fantasy, romance. I cannot stress that enough. Um, I had a very lovely book reviewer. Um, she runs the site Thoughts on Tomes uh, review my book, and uh, she'd been recommended my book by a bunch of people who had not told her that it is erotica and. Um, I kind of felt bad for her because she was not expecting it. <laughs> but she did publish <laughs> a very sweet and honest review of my work. You know, I, I, I got to say I'm with her on that when it was given to me. I didn't know what it was. Um, uh-huh. I was just told it was really, really good. And I picked up this book. And I looked at Alexis. I'm like, this is a little pornographic. And I got <laughs> further in. I'm like, well, this is actually really well written. This is like... You know, uh, I don't, I don't want to use the comparison to like the Joanna Lindsay's because it's not like that. But it's mm-hmm. like if you took Joanna Lindsay and jammed it together with Game of Thrones, um, it's very hard to explain. It's 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 its own genre. But I'm reading this and I didn't expect the level of sex that was in it. And of course, Alexis mm-hmm. dived at it like a rabid Wolverine. <laughs> um, I can't get her to read a go- I can't get her to read a damn thing or summarize a damn you, thing for me. As soon as that's in there, she's like, "Oh, you know, it. she knows where you <laughs> sleep, right?" I just wanted to say. <laughs> she does. But she did. She jumped on like sure. a rabid Wolverine. And I'm not into the really erotic novels, but I loved the story. It was brilliant. Yeah. Well, I mean, to go back to the the uh, the person's question, um, the, the reason why I got into Greek mythology is because it's been something that's been a lifelong fascination for me. And, you know, my when I was first reading it and first picked up mythology by Edith Hamilton, which is kind of the standard text that most people have on their shelves if they, 
you know, have any sort of interest in the classics was, um, <clears throat> you know, and I, I picked that up sometime when I was 12. And, you know, my whole, you know, budding, I was going through puberty and I, I flipped to the story of Hades and Persephone. I was like, ooh, Huh. That's <laughs> like I liked it. Hmm. You know? <laughs> and and then I just I just think that those characters have just been done so dirty in most media. Yeah. I mean you know, this person I'm I think they might be a Percy Jackson fan and I mean when I from what I had read of the books and then saw the translation to uh film, it was kind of atrocious how those two characters were treated versus oh, yeah. how they were written. And, you know, I, you know, Rick, I wrote... Rick Friedan uh, did a pretty good job, did a really good job, especially because he was gearing it towards um, children with ADD and yeah. autism and dyslexia. Like, his, his book was good, and Hades oh, yeah. wasn't this horrific character in the book. Yes, he had a no. dark side, but he was still honorable. He still honored the deal with Percy Jackson. And in the book, Persephone is like, a, you know, a crazy Rosario Dawson, who I happen to like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Persephone's a slut and Hades a bastard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, you know, I mean, they, you can try and pull people away from the Satan analog, but it's so difficult to because everyone just wants to just rush right back at it in any which way that they can. It's like, guys, this isn't how it was. I mean, Hades' brothers, Zeus and Poseidon, were absolute bastards in mythology. If we're looking at, oh yeah, you know, how they treated women, their particular sexual conquests, uh, revenge and plotting and things that took place, you know, within the pantheon and yeah, against cities yeah. and against H- that. Hades, Hades was just kind actually of the well-behaved one. Hades yeah. was a well-behaved one. He didn't rape anyone or assault anyone in Aphrodite's temple. I'd just like to point that out. Like, Yeah, thank you. Medusa <laughs> was turned into a gorgon because she went into Aphrodite's temple and was being assaulted by by um, Poseidon. Then you have so Zeus, gonna, who turns I, into I'm creatures and rapes I'm going to stop here and push uh, my glasses right up the bridge of my nose. Um, that was actually Athena's temple. Oh, uh, you're and that's right. one of the I'm reasons sorry. why it was, it was temple, you're right. yeah, why it was such a travesty. I beg your pardon. It was Athena's temple. It was one of the maiden goddesses. You are very, very right, and I'm very exactly. sorry. Exactly. Yeah, um, it was a maiden um, priestess who got assaulted. That's right. And got turned into a Gorgon. So she mm-hmm. got punished for that. But then you have, you know, but even if you go into um, Artemis, uh, Aphrodite wanted a girl to fall in love. She didn't want to fall in love. So she ran to Artemis. She was Artemis's right hand. Didn't listen to mm-hmm. Aphrodite. Aphrodite cursed her, made her fall in love with the bear. And, you know, she had sex with the bear. So, Aphro- so um, what's her name? Artemis cursed her. Mm. Like, yeah, like the, the the one that did the least amount of shit to people was actually Hades. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Of all Absolutely. the gods, Hades was not the bad guy. Well, everybody kind no. of expected him to be the bad guy. You know, it's like you always get bit by the little dogs, not the big dogs. So you don't know coochie coochie coo to a freaking rottweiler. Well, he's he's strong. <laughs> he's the oldest of the, of the Greek gods. Oh, God, yeah, it's been of so long Olympian since I read that Hamilton book. Yeah. <clears throat> so what made you so? You fell in love with the Hades and Persephone angle. Um, what made you take it from the angle you did? The characters in this, um, 
we're, we're actually pretty deep. This isn't a very superficial book. For those that haven't read it, it's uh, Receiver of Man. It's really, really a very good book. Um, I'll put up a link to where you guys can buy it. But it's you go into depth in the characters. There's a lot of growth with, hate, with uh, Persephone especially. She starts off a very soft character and then becomes an incredibly strong female protagonist. And mm-hmm. you go into Praxidike and the Iron Queen and portions of Persephone that people don't talk about. This is all background stuff. Right. Well, this is a lot of uh, my interpretation of Persephone came straight out of the Homeric hymns and the Iliad, where she is revered as Dread Persephone. Uh, yeah. Praxidike, the exactor of justice, and all kinds of other, you know, epithets, the Iron Queen. Um, the Greeks were scared to call upon her her name, so they would uh, assign epithets to her, Karpophoros, the bringer of spring, or, um, <coughs> excuse me, Aristi Kathonia, the, the best of the Kathonic gods, the underworld gods. And um, they just, they... They were somewhat terrified of her, but they also viewed her as, you know, someone who could be merciful. Um, in the Homeric hymn to Demeter, excuse me, I'm going to have a drink of water. Of course. And we will cover for you um, while you're taking that drink. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Homeric hymn to Demeter, um, she's a little bit of a non-entity. I mean, that the poem is mostly about Demeter searching for her daughter, and um, I wanted to tell the story about what happens on the other side of that. Like, what compelled Hades to take her? How did Persephone change him as a person? And why did she eat the pomegranate seeds? And there's, there's a whole bunch of uh, crazy um, text explication that I could do, but we have no time for it. I have plenty of essays yeah. on my website yeah. if anyone's interested. <laughs> now, you, you do say, take some creative license with the characters, but yeah. a lot of what you say, like a lot of this is very true to different stories, which was really surprising. Yeah, I mean, my, my, one of my main goals is... Um, Trying is taking all of the mythology, which was all created at different times and in different cities, and trying to find out where the pieces of the puzzle fit together, and trying to find out, okay, well, maybe they said it happened this way, but it actually happened this way. And um, I think that with uh, characters like Sisyphus and Merope, and Sisyphus is the uh, arch antagonist, in, mm-hmm. especially in Destroyer of Light, um, you know, I, ha- I took some licenses with the characters because I thought, well, what kind of a person would it take psychologically to do X, Y, and Z as it appears in the myth? How would that person present themselves as a human being? And what would be their motivations? And that's kind of what I did with each and every one of the characters. Now, we only have about four minutes left. I have to ask sure. you... Um, one of the, you know, some of the people that have written in and asked, why Persephone? Now, Persephone is my favorite Greek goddess, I've got to tell you, so I love that it's Persephone. Um, but they're <laughs> wanting to know, why not, you know, Aphrodite, or why not, um, you know, the the story of uh, of Cupid? Um, I don't believe his name's Cupid, 
Well, I don't remember his yeah, Greek name, but they wrote uh, Cupid. Eros and uh, uh, well, er- you know, Eros. actually, the the sorry, I don't mean to actually because oh, that's like the worst please word actually. in the English language. Um, <laughs> when his myth was written, he was Cupid because that was a later Roman era myth with him and Psyche. Huh. I didn't know that. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so, the publishing. Oh, so, yeah. so, so we're asking that question. I know we have about three minutes left. Let's jump to sure. where can everyone find you? Just because I know we always You go can the find me at the rkalexander.com. And I'm also the rkalexander on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, and a whole bunch of other uh social media sites. So pretty much if you type in the, T-H-E-R-K, Alexander, then you'll be able to find me pretty much anywhere. We'll make sure to put up a link to that. And of course, Paul? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and of course, YouTube and Twitter pages. Now, I, I know you guys could find me on Twitter because I'm the one that gets all the questions. Um, <laughs> I have to ask you, Rachel, we've got about three minutes left. Two other questions, so I need them really short. What are you most afraid of with turning your book into a TV show, and what are you most excited about? Um, I am most excited about the prospect of seeing my characters come to life. There's a few scenes that I wrote where it's played like a movie in my head ever since I wrote the scenes down, and even a little bit before. Uh, So seeing that actually come to life, I think, would just be just startling and mind-blowing. And the thing that I'm most afraid about is uh, having these characters not be represented the way that I want them to be represented and the way that I wrote them. There are some hard lines that I'm just not willing to cross when it comes to certain representations. Well, the plus is what you do then is you make those the you-can-have-them-if rules. Mm Mm-hmm. Just an FYI. Um, we'll make sure okay. that goes in your contract. <laughs> you can, you've got to keep some creative <laughs> control there. Um, I do want to say thank you very much for being on the show. To everybody that is currently sending me abusive emails because we went off a tangent, you know how we are. I don't know what you want from me. We asked a couple of questions. I promise we'll get her on again. I promise. Please. Okay, can I put you on the spot and say, can we get you on again? I'm sorry. What's that? Can I put you on the spot and ask to get you on again? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on today. It's no problem. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Guys, Get I'm going to put up some links. It's Receiver of Many, Destroyer of Light. These are some of the most interesting books I've read. I've passed them on to people I'm working with. There's a reason HBO wants it. When I said Joanna Lindsay meets Game of Thrones, that's the worst example I could give you. Um, But it's the only one I have. It's very unique unto itself so it's a when you get elevator a chance, pitch it's an elevator pitch there you go it's uh <laughs> it's it's a really good book um and i personally love persephone so it, it was an easy sell for me rachel thank you so much for being on the show you're so welcome thank you okay and thank you guys paul i'm summer helene we're on with my co-host host of the militant moderate paul michael Bolin, and our very very special guest author of Receiver of Many and Destroyer of Light, Rachel Alexander. I cannot wait for this TV show to come out, and you guys need to read the book. I'm Summer Helene. This is Behind the Scenes. We'll see you next week.
Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week. 